1: All right, welcome into fantasy sports today. We're live on the Sports Grid TV network. I am Frank Stanfield. We'll be joined by Craig Mish a little bit later on in the show. He is live from Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium with the Yankees taking on the Miami Marlins later on today around 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Luckily for Craig Mish, he'll have the opportunity to watch one of the Yankees' top prospects in Debbie Garcia go up against Sandy Alcantara for the Marlins a little bit later on today. Another day, another team preview from a fantasy perspective. We'll dive into the Cleveland Indians later on in the show. Very interesting division this year with the American League Central. We spoke a lot about the Kansas City Royals and the Detroit Tigers the past couple of days here on the show. Don't have high expectations for those teams, but outside of that, we might have a three-team race here between the Cleveland Indians, the Chicago White Sox, and the Minnesota Twins for the top spot in the American League Central. So we'll break down the lineup. For the Cleveland Indians, obviously still have some very fantasy-relevant players in Francisco Lindor. Jose Ramirez, Lindor consistently a first-round pick. Jose Ramirez, a borderline first-round pick this year, early second-round pick as well. We'll dive into all that. The rotation. What's going on with the rotation? They traded Corey Kluber in the offseason, and now they look towards Shane Bieber as the ace of that pitching staff. Carlos Carrasco still dealing with some elbow inflammation as well, obviously, as he makes his return from leukemia last year. It's been a long road back for Carlos Carrasco. Uh, obviously, thoughts and prayers out to him and his family as well as he continues to recover from everything he's suffered over the uh, past couple of seasons here. So we'll dive into everything Cleveland Indians related. I would say that we'll have prospects to talk about, but honestly don't really have many prospects to talk about. Cleveland Indians don't really have one of the better farm systems in baseball right now. Uh, they did trade for Emmanuel Class A uh, in the offseason from Corey Kluber. He might be regarded as, you know, the closer of the future, but uh, he is dealing with an injury as well. We might, you know, not see him for the first couple of months of the season here with the Cleveland Indians. We'll get into all the injury-related news as well. We got an update from Michael Conforto yesterday. We saw the news that he was flying back to New York uh, as he was dealing with something with his side. It turns out that that is an oblique injury as well. What is the timetable that we're looking for uh, when it comes to Michael Conforto? Bryce Harper left, of course, with a hit-by-pitch. Everything seems like it's going to be all right for Bryce Harper. And we'll have an update on the third-base position battle at, for the Atlanta Braves when it comes to Johan Camargo versus Austin Riley. We'll do all of that after this news day update coming up from Dan Straffer here. Don't go anywhere. It's Fantasy Sports Today on the Sports Grid TV Network.
2: In Major League Baseball, New York Mets outfielder Michael Conforto has an official strained oblique muscle on his right side. It's too early to determine as of yet whether he'll be able to play in New York's opener against the World Series champion Washington Nationals on March 26th. That is one to watch as spring rolls on. Gary Sanchez missed batting practice on Tuesday due to the flu. He had a fever, sat out, and was confirmed to be the regular run-of-the-mill flu. Sanchez has been battling a back issue as well over the past few days. A fun story out of spring training, Larry Walker, the longtime Colorado Rockies outfielder who was voted into the Baseball Hall of Fame, will serve as the Colorado Avalanches' honorary emergency goalie in Sunday night's game against the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, tracking the coronavirus, Washington Governor Jay Inslee Set to announce on Wednesday that a ban on gatherings and events of more than 250 people in virtually the entire Seattle metro area will be put into place. Evan Drellick of The Athletic reporting on that news that the Mariners may play their season opening series against the Rangers in Peoria, Arizona. More coronavirus news. According to a report from Adrian Wojnarowski. the NBA's Board of Governors prepares to confer with the commissioner's office Wednesday in a conference call on the virus. One scenario introduced in the league's conversation involves moving some games in the NBA the cities that have yet to suffer outbreaks. In the NBA tonight, we have the Pistons at the 76ers. Knicks play the Hawks on a back-to-back for the Knickerbockers. A good game to watch. Jazz at Thunder. Oklahoma City minus 2, 217.5 over-under. And the Nuggets are at the Mavericks. Denver minus 2 on the road, 218 over-under. March Madness is kicking off across the country. Conference tournaments are playing. The Ivy League will not be playing their conference tournament. They cancelled theirs due to the ongoing coronavirus Virus spread the men american conference announced on tuesday they would have a restricted attendance policy that means no general public for the men's and women's postseason tournaments i'm dan strafford this has been your sports grid news update
1: all right thank you mr dan strafford for the news update great job as always here on sports grid and yeah, let's jump into some of those news items that I mentioned here at the top of the show from a fantasy baseball perspective. Michael Conforto, we got the news yesterday that he is dealing with a right oblique strain, and I saw this on Twitter at MLB Injury Guru. Uh, reported this that last year oblique strains for a hitter meant on average 49 days on the IL. Obviously, it depends on the severity of the injury. But We have seen many sluggers in baseball suffer these oblique injuries the past couple of seasons. Last year, Aaron Judge missed a large portion of the season so did Joey Gallo as well Uh, and these are guys who obviously rely on power for their real life baseball game for their fantasy baseball game Uh, and Michael Conforto I think you know not to the same extent as like an Aaron Judge or Joey Gallo. But you do rely on him for power when it comes to uh, fantasy baseball. Last year, we really saw a breakout season out of Conforto. Over 30 home runs, chipped in with a few stolen bases as well. I think we all expected the batting average to be a little bit higher for Conforto last year, 257 batting average. Uh, But, yeah, it's not looking good for Conforto in terms of being ready for opening day. And based on uh, this average from last year, 49 days on the IL for an oblique strain, we could be looking at, I don't know, mid-April, late April, potentially even May for Michael Conforto as well. Uh, who stands to benefit from this? Uh, Brandon Nimmo was already expected to play every day in center field. J.D. Davis is going to be out there in left field. Jeff McNeil at third base. Who's going to play right field now with Michael Conforto? We probably see a combination of Jake Marisnik, Dom Smith as well. I don't really think that there's much there outside of NL-only leagues. Even in your 15-team mix, I don't really have much interest in Jake Marisnick Brandon, uh, or... Um, Or Dominic Smith. Brendan Nimmo is someone that I do have interest in because it seems like he's going to play center field every day and lead off for the New York Mets. I think he is a late-round value in terms of uh, the run-scored category if you're looking for that later on in your drafts. Uh, But maybe just pay attention to from a DFS perspective for Jake Marisnyk and Dom Smith early on in the season with Michael Conforto banged up. Bryce Harper yesterday left hit by pitch. It seems like every single year in the spring, Bryce Harper is having a massive spring. We're all getting excited and then he gets hit by a pitch. I told this story yesterday on the Fantasy BFS with Greg Sussman. Last year, heading into the NFBC main event, it was my first time competing in the main event. 15-team mixed, Roto, 5x5. There's an overall prize as well. I believe I had picked 12 or 13. I went into the day, I'm taking Bryce Harper. Or went into the weekend, rather. I'm taking Bryce Harper for sure. First season in Philly. I'm excited about what he can do there. The lineup, the ballpark, everything is in place. Guy gets hit with a pitch. I I believe it was on his hand last year on that Friday. The draft was on Saturday. Scared me off. I wound up taking Aaron Judge. Not that Bryce Harper was amazing last year, but he was on the field more than Aaron Judge was. So it just seems like this is something that happens every year uh, when it comes to Bryce Harper. Hit by pitch on a toe, on his toe yesterday, but does expect to be back in the lineup Friday, potentially this weekend as well. So Something to pay attention to if you're drafting now, and I spoke about this recently the past couple of days. Bryce Harper is someone who has been surging up draft boards. He's been running throughout the spring. Three stolen bases already. He's hit three home runs already. Looks like the real deal. Look, it was his first year in Philadelphia. Massive contract did not live up to that, and we see that we've seen that before. Where you know, first year under that big contract, guys don't necessarily deliver. A lot of pressure there in that spot. Same thing could be said for Manny Machado out west with the San Diego Padres. He didn't get it done last year, but I'm expecting a big season out of Bryce Harper, uh, someone who's moving up closer to that first round range as well. Uh, we do have the NFBC main events going live this weekend, so we'll have some data from those uh, when we check back in. Over uh, past the weekend, on Monday, uh, at the start of next week, we'll let you know, you know, some of the draft results from those, and you know where people were kind of planting their flags. These are the drafts. This time of year, with these big, high-stakes drafts, where these are where people are going to plant their flags. What does that mean? If you pick on the end of the draft, the turn, and you want Bryce Harper at pick 15, you know he's not making it back to you at the end of the third round. You can say that for any- Starling Marte. If you want Starling Marte. You're not going to get him at the end of the third round. This is what we talk about when it comes to planting flags. People throw ADP out the window this time of year in high-stakes drafts. If they want a player, they're going to take that player. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, what the draft results look like come Monday from this weekend of NFBC main event drafts. We'll also have the Tout Wars drafts as well, the auctions there. Um, So we'll have some data there in terms of how how much players are going for in auctions as well. We'll have all that uh, over the weekend, this upcoming weekend. I mentioned the position, back. With the Atlanta Braves third base, as of now, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution writes that Johan Camargo is, quote, probably the soon-to-be everyday third baseman for the Braves. Austin Riley, uh, bye bye because it's not looking good for Austin Riley right now. I don't know if they have—are they going to have an opportunity to play him in the outfield? Probably not, based on the way that things are lining up right now for the Atlanta Braves. And if Johan Camargo is the everyday third baseman, then maybe we see Austin Riley start the year in triple-A. He still has options left, obviously, and came up last year, hit the ground running. We saw the power. It was legit out of Austin Riley, but we also saw the downside. The strikeouts are also there, and they are legitimate when it comes to Austin Riley. If he can cut down those strikeouts, I think his quality of contact, when he makes contact, hits the ball extremely hard, puts the ball in the air, and he's put up to massive numbers in the minor leagues. And even if he doesn't start the year in the majors, doesn't start the year, as the third baseman for the Atlanta Braves, it doesn't mean that he won't have value. It just means that he won't have value to begin the season. Uh, he could be a popular waiver wire pickup or someone that you stash for the uh, foreseeable future. But looking at the, the the roster resource page for the Atlanta Braves, as of now, Marcelo Zuna in left field, Ender Inciarte Ciarte in center field and Ronald Acuna in right field. They still have uh, Nick Marcakis on the bench here on this team, so it's going to be hard to fit Austin Riley in the outfield. That was the case all along once they signed Marcelo Zuna, obviously, uh, and then Johan Camargo at third base. So, something to pay attention to here in your drafts that are coming up, especially if you're playing NL only. you got to have a beat on everything that's going on in terms of position battles, who's going to have playing time early on in the season. There is legit sky-high upside for someone like Austin Riley. Is it going to be there from the get-go? Not looking like it right now. I don't know that anyone knows the answer to that question for sure. All right, when we come back, three up, three down here on the show like we do every day, a special guest, Joe Ranieri, will join me from Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium. Don't go anywhere.
0: DailyRoto.com Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford. Now, what goes up must come down. Three up, three down.
3: What does three up and three down mean to you,
4: Airman? End of an inning.
0: Welcome back to Fantasy Sports
1: Today, live on the Sports Grid TV Network. I am Frank Stanfield. Craig Mish will join us shortly from Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium. He is there for the Marlins versus Yankees. Debbie Garcia going up against Sandy Alcantara, but I teased it before the break. And we're going to make a fantasy analyst out of you yet, Joe Ranieri, because joining me for the second time here on Fantasy Sports Today, it is Joe Ranieri. Follow him on Twitter at Joe Ranieri, R A R A I N E R I, the host of the early line here on Sports Grid. TV Network, 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Joe, what's going on, buddy? How's everything?
3: Gorgeous day here, man. I mean, what else can you say? Temperatures in the 80s here today, right? It's the low 80s, though. I don't want you to get crazy. It's the low 80s. Uh, A little breeze, and already there's just something about the Yankees showing up to town. And this place is mobbed. I mean, they're just taking batting practice now and literally wall-to-wall people all throughout this stadium. Coronavirus, be damned, Frank. They are out here rooting for their New York Yankees in South Florida.
1: I love that you had to, uh, you know, give us the specifics of the, oh, it's low 80s. Does that mean you have, uh, you brought your winter jacket with you there, Joe?
3: freezing. I'm wearing an extra pair of socks and everything. It's terrible, man. It's no way to live on a Wednesday hanging out at the ballpark. I don't know how Mish does it. I really don't.
1: Speaking of Mish, uh, last time you were on the show, you said you saw him scarfing down a hot dog and drinking a beer. Uh, do we have any update on Craig Mish right now? You know, his dietary yeah. concerns?
3: Yeah, well, it's funny because you let the cat out of the bag. So now I saw him wearing a disguise. Now he's down there. He's eating all the pretzels and drinking all the beer he wants, but he's in actually a full garb now. He's got a mustache. It's it's really weird, I got to tell you. Honestly,
1: if Craig Mish joined the show with a mustache, I would be a huge (laughs) fan of that. I have no problem whatsoever if we could get, like, a no-shave Craig Mish on the show for, like, the next month or so. That would be great. All right, Joe, you've joined us before for 3Up3Down. We'll talk about some topics that are trending in fantasy baseball and in pop culture as well. Let's start with some of the trending up topics here. And I don't know how much relevance this has to you, Joe, but in the fantasy world, it does. Todd Frazier is taking reps at first base right now, but who does it help? Wait for it. That's right. It's Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. Brat, back from the dead. The catcher, former catcher. He's taking reps at third base now as well. He's got a new swing, and he is mashing in spring. Through uh, 389 batting average, four home runs, 11 ribbies as well. Apparently, you know, raising the launch angle, trying to hit the ball in the air a little bit more. Uh, so far in Texas Rangers camp, Ronald Guzman, Greg Bird, not getting it done for the Texas Rangers. Todd Frazier, as of now, sliding over to first base. We know that Willie Calhoun dealing with the injury, got hit in the face with a pitch the other day. Uh, he's going to be on the shelf to start the season, which puts Nick Solak in left field. And potentially Isaiah of falefa at third base as well. So pay attention for that. He is someone who is trending up right now and might be playing third base for the Texas Rangers early on in the season. Uh, Joe, when it comes to the Texas Rangers this season, they have obviously got the new ballpark. They kind of have a new pitching staff with Corey Kluber as the face of that pitching staff. Um, you know, how do you feel about the Texas Rangers just in the grand scheme of the American League West? Obviously, the Houston Astros are still there. The Oakland A's are there. Everyone expects the uh, Los Angeles Angels to take the next step obviously signing Anthony Rendon I still kind of worry about the pitching there with the Angels do you think the Texas Rangers can make some noise in this new ballpark or do you think maybe they're still a couple of years away here uh, competing in that division
3: well, you know, it's funny. Uh, they just broke his story. Greg Byrd uh, stubbed his toe. He's out for the next two years. So I don't think they'll have to worry about there uh, because that's just going to be par for the course for them. Uh, but no, I love the Rangers. Listen, the Rangers and that new ballpark is going to be interesting, I think, because anybody had been to Arlington in July and August Man, it was it was brutal. You know, now they got this fancy park, and the roof moves, they got it's gonna be absolutely gorgeous. Um, but the pitching is always what worries me with Texas, right? Kluber's nice, so you know what they got from Minor last year was great. Uh, but the pitching concerns me there. Hitting is not going to be a problem for Texas. They are going to mash, and they're going to mash in a division that that'll probably be enough during a regular season to get them a whole lot of wins. But uh, when it comes down to it late in the season, depends on how that pitching holds up with the Texas Rangers.
1: Yeah, and yeah, look, yeah. I've been skeptical of Corey Kluber so far uh, this season in the draft season. I haven't really been drafting him from a fantasy baseball perspective. Even last year, I understand he you know dealt with the oblique injury. He you know broke the forearm on a line drive. Even before that, he was not pitching well. Started to slow down a little bit towards the end of 2018 as well. So I do worry a little bit about Corey Kluber. Uh, Lance Lynn had the breakout year last year. Is he going to be able to keep that up? This season, same thing with Mike Miner. Uh, something to pay attention to here for the Texas Rangers. Joe, I don't know if you saw this yesterday, but Michael Kopech was returning from Tommy John surgery, the top pitching prospect for the Chicago White Sox, and he threw one inning. Obviously, it's a return from Tommy John. They're not going to push the guy too, too far. He was routinely sitting 100 miles per hour, Joe. I am all over the White Sox this upcoming season, and maybe even more so for 2021. That might be the year that they really take the step, you know, once uh, Michael Kupak, you know, gets a couple more innings under his belt this season, the second year back from Tommy John surgery. But I think in terms of the pitching staff, Giolito took huge step forward, uh, steps forward last year. Dylan Cease is a prospect that has a ton of upside there. And I think the lineup legitimately is one of the top five in all of baseball. Maybe it's 2021 because it is a competitive division at the top here with the American League Central. But, Joe, the Chicago White Sox are coming, and they are coming fast.
3: Yeah, they are. And it's a big ask. I mean, what what they win last year? 72 games, and and now their number has been floating around that 85 and a half, 86 number this year. And, and I'm with you, I'm a believer. I think that pitching staff is going to be very underrated. Um, the batting lineup, they stay healthy this year. That top of the order, that, that top five or six over there are gonna set the table in a ton of games. The problem and the thing that I fear about is you had some guys, like you said, Giolito took that next step. You know, his great, great career type of year. What happens now a year later with some of these guys? Is there a little bit of regression? I love the division they're in. I think expectations are low enough. I would not at all be surprised if they not only hit that number, but come close to 90 wins this year.
1: Yeah, look, it's a matter of Giolito uh, maintaining that co- co- the consistency that we saw last year. Uh, changed his mechanics up last year. Started to see added velocity as well. So, uh, obviously, that's going to be a huge part of the White Sox maintaining, um, you know, or rather pr- progressing in what we expect this upcoming season uh, in 2020. All right. Trending up, last but not least. You can now buy pre-made Jello shots at Costco, Joe Ranieri, and I have a feeling that this is something that you can get behind. I know you've been to the parties before. The Jello shots are there; they're made homemade. You know, whoever it might be—your uh, friend, your sister, your your wife, your mother— whoever makes your Jello shots for you, no more. You can now buy them—a 24-pack pre-made from Costco, Joe Ranieri. I know where you're going right after FSC today.
3: Well, actually, I don't because Craig Mish makes a mean Jello shot, and I think he's actually pounding a few down on the field right now. So, yes, when it comes to Jello shots in Costco, it's what I always think of. But nobody does Jello shots quite like Craig Mish in a fake mustache. I'm telling you, you're gonna love it when you see him. Craig Mish, fake mustache, slamming
1: beers, drink, uh, eating pretzels, making Jello again. shots. Man, I, I gotta.
3: Never again. <laughs> I-
1: I gotta make my way down to Florida, man. I gotta, I gotta, I got party with uh, Joe Ranieri and Craig Mish out here. Get some Jello shots and you know some fake mustaches. Whatever we need, we'll make the party happen there. All right, trending down here, Joe. I don't know. You, you had to see this uh, at some point already today, last night, whenever it was. Former Patriots tight end Rob Gronkowski. He is taking his talents not to South Beach. But to the WWE, apparently, and I have this as a trending down topic, not because I dislike Gronk or the Patriots, which I do. I, I kind of hope Tom Brady signs somewhere else. Joe Ranieri, uh, you're a Jet fan as well. I'm sure that you can speak to that. But Rob Gronkowski, this is a trending down going to WWE because they're probably going to have this guy come in here and he's going to squash everybody. The poor wrestlers that have been trying to progress their careers the past couple of years, they've been trying to develop. Gronk is going to come in here and just kind of step all over everybody. They're probably going to build this guy up, and he has next to no wrestling experience as well. I have this as a trending down topic, Joe. I don't know if you have any strong feelings either way, but Rob Gronkowski looks like he's headed to
3: the WWE. Listen, I love Gronk. This is this should be a surprise to absolutely nobody. You know Sussman's going to be, like, front and center the first time he goes into the ring. He's going to be there, pom-poms on the whole nine. He's, we love you, Gronk. It's coming. I'm telling you, it's coming. But the only thing I want to hear from Gronkowski, and I agree with you, trending down, the only thing I want to hear about Gronkowski is he signed a one-year deal with the Patriots, and he's coming back with Tom Brady to make a, uh, make a final push for a Super Bowl. That's the only thing that would interest me with Gronkowski. Yeah, look, it's hard to argue with that. Gronk, you know, in his prime, one of the best
1: tight ends we've ever seen, you know, in the NFL. So, uh, look, it's hard to argue with that as well. Uh, Greg Sussman, break out the pom-poms, baby, because Gronk headed to the WWE. Let's go back back to some baseball news here. Trending down, and this is one that Craig actually had written in the rundown before he started, you know, scarfing down some pretzels and, you know, drinking beers with his fake mustache. Luis Castillo has a tough spring right now got an ERA over eight. Well, you know, look, how how much does spring training actually matter? How much do the results actually matter this time of year? Obviously the pitchers are working on new pitches. They might be working on new mechanics and you know, how much do results actually matter this time of year? But Joe, I do remember that last time we had you on, we were talking about the National League Central and I mentioned, I think this is the Cincinnati Reds division to lose. Obviously, a lot of that starts and ends with Luis Castillo at the top of that pitching staff. So, just something to pay attention to. I'm not overreacting, but he has struggled so far
3: in the spring here. Something to pay attention to here, Joe. Well, you have to because it's going to begin and end with him in that rotation, is it not? Um, To me... I'm more worried if I see velocity go down. Uh, You know, is he throwing two or three miles an hour less than what he did last year? He's always kind of been, he he was a house of fire early last year. Uh, Is it mechanical? Is he working on something? I think the velocity tells us all that we need to know uh, about Castillo and the kind of year he's going to have. Maybe it's not cutting as much as he likes it to cut, but they do work on things in spring training. Let me know. Let's have this conversation early May and, uh, and we'll go from there. Very well
1: said. That is Joe Ranieri, the host of The Early Line here on Sports Grid from 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Thank you for joining me, Joe. Coming up next, Craig Misch will join the show. Hopefully he's not too inebriated at this point. Uh, to help me talk about the Cleveland Indians, we'll do a fantasy baseball preview for that team next here on Sports Grid.
0: DailyRoto.com. Sports today with Craig Mish and Frank Stample. All
1: right, welcome back to Fantasy Sports today, live on the SportsGrid TV Network, and I am Frank Stample. Joining me live from Roger Dean's Chevrolet Stadium now is Craig Mish, And, Craig, we learned a lot about you in the, fu- in the last segment here because Joe Ranieri told us that you had a disguise on, that you were scarfing down some pretzels, some beer, and that you make fantastic jello shots. Can you confirm or deny any of these claims?
4: Yeah, you know, I, I got to live up to uh, you, honestly, Frank, and uh, your delivery of, of uh, hot dogs for Scott Engel at 9 a.m., So I thought, uh, in the spirit of that, let me just go out today and just try and down as many shots before 11 a.m. And uh, thanks to Joe, I was able to accomplish that in the 30 minutes before the show. So, uh, you know, quite, you know, buzzing a little bit right now. Um, Still able to get a couple of interviews. Um, I mistook Giovanni Ursula for Reggie Jackson, asked him all the wrong questions. And so we'll have that tomorrow for you on Sports Grid.
1: You know what's hilarious is that I hear Joe Ranieri cracking up in the background. Like, I just hear him cracking up. Like, he's he's laughing there. Uh, Guy thinks he's funny, huh? He thinks he's funny, but no, we do appreciate it. Again, Craig Miz joining us live. He is out there. uh, Roger Dean, Chevrolet Stadium. He's going to get to see Debbie Garcia go up against Sandy Alcantara later on today. And we'll have some, uh, hopefully some interviews for you to come later on this week as well. So that'll be a lot Mm -hmm. of fun. And Craig, we're here doing our team previews like we always do from a fantasy baseball perspective. And it's the Cleveland Indians today. They still have some big boppers in this lineup. Lindor entering the contract year. Will he remain with the Indians? For the entirety of the season, I think that's a storyline to watch. Uh, obviously, the health of Oscar Mercado. We're expecting a big season out of Franmil Reyes. Uh, just at first glance, looking at this lineup, Craig, you know, what do you think about the Cleveland Indians here in 2020?
4: Yeah, I mean, they're they're kind of a win now team, and their their window, Frank, appears to be really closing quickly. You know, they've had all these issues and the injuries to their pitching staff. Clevenger being hurt in the spring, of course, Carrasco. Uh, not just having the health issues in terms of medically, but also from a throwing perspective too. And with Corey Kluber gone, there's a lot of pressure on the back end of this rotation to succeed. Also, another thing that you got to consider anytime you're talking about a team is the division that they play in. And while Kansas City and Detroit are both below them and will finish below them this year, the White Sox, I think, have moved close to them, if not above. The Twins won 100 games last year. I think this is it, Frank. I think that basically Cleveland is in a situation where they're going to have to win this year. I think that they'll be in rebuild mode next year. I know Indians fans won't want to hear that, but I think that's kind of where they're going to have to head if things don't go right this year.
1: And it would not surprise me if, look, halfway through the season, if they're sitting in third place in the American League Central, maybe they decide to sell off some of these pieces to replenish a farm system. Look, if we're being honest, Craig, that is one of the worst in baseball right now. Uh, They have no one that's really up and coming in the pipeline that can contribute at least this season, maybe in the next couple of years. But I think that they need to at some point consider replenishing this farm system and getting some young talent. So looking at this lineup once again, uh, you know, Roster Resource has Oscar Mercado hitting near the top. But throughout most of spring training, Cesar Hernandez is someone who has routinely hit either leadoff or second for this team, has good plate discipline, has walked a ton throughout his career, solid on-base percentage. You're getting him very late in drafts as your middle infielder. I think someone that could give you 10 home runs, 10 stolen bases. So I would be paying attention to Cesar Hernandez. But it's obvious that this lineup begins and ends with the play of Lindor and specifically Jose Ramirez. And it was a tale of two seasons for Jose Ramirez last last year. Craig, because in the first half, he was god-awful, and that was really dating back to the second half of 2018. The problem for Jose Ramirez was that he was trying to hit too many home runs. He was trying to lift the ball. Last year, through June 30th, he had a 49.6% fly ball rate. Uh, he wasn't hitting as many line drives, and his batting average sunk to 215. He had an, o- he had an OPS of 652 last year You know, in that first half. And in the second half, you know, really from July on, uh, started lowering the fly ball rate, started hitting more line drives, staying true to the player that he is, pulling the ball. And as a result, good things started to happen. So I'm really buying what we saw in the second half from Jose Ramirez. He got back to that player that he was a couple of seasons ago, Craig. He just has to stay true to who he is. Hit line drives, try and pull the ball, and those those line drives are going to turn into home runs. He doesn't have to try and lift the ball all that much. And if he does that, I think he's someone that can once again flirt with 280, 25 home runs, 25 stolen bases. And if that's the case, I don't have a problem taking him at the back end of the first round, early second round, in a 15-team league.
4: Yeah, and look, I think you just said it best. I don't know that I could add any more to that. Uh, Look, the the first half numbers weren't good. Anybody who bought in and and thought that he was done made a big mistake. I think that he will get back to what he was a couple of years ago. And also, let's not forget, he's a guy that can steal bases as well. So um, my guess is where he sits in the lineup in terms of fourth, he's going to have Carlos Santana ahead of him a lot. He's going to have Lindor ahead of him a lot. And I would expect a bounce back season uh, from him for sure.
1: Speaking of Carlos Santana, you mentioned the name. I mean, he was someone who last year, Craig, had a career year, uh, you know, at around 32, 33 years old. It's not something that we're used to seeing, obviously, broke out 281, 34 home runs, 110 runs scored for Carlos Santana last year in the middle of this Cleveland Indians lineup. He made his way back to the Cleveland Indians after spending uh, a brief season with the Philadelphia Phillies as well. We did see, you know, the average exit velocity go up last year, the hard contact rate go up last year. Craig, I feel I feel like a lot of people have mentioned first base as a thin position, and I think it's fair to say. I think there's a very clear, you know, tier, a cliff that falls off after guys like Josh Bell and Goldschmidt and Anthony Rizzo. But if you wound up with Carlos Santana as your starting first baseman in a 15-team, let's say, Roto League with batting average, not on base percentage, how would you feel
3: about that?
4: I mean, I I think it would be okay. I I think you know at this stage of Santana's career exactly what he is and who he's going to be. Uh, But, you know, I mean, I I think that we're doing ourselves a disservice if we don't mention the on-base percentage because I think that's really where he shines. And it's ironic that a lot of are really, in my mind, uh, more built for getting on base. I mean, Anthony Rizzo is one of those guys as well where you can kind of throw away the batting average. But, uh, look, the the Indians getting Santana back essentially for nothing, uh, it was just really a mistake that the Phillies made giving him a long-term extension. At the time, they thought he was a piece that they were going to build around – And they quickly pivoted, of course, and then Reese Hoskins came on as well. So, uh, look, Santana's always been very good there. Uh, I would imagine that he's probably a 20 to 25 home run guy. I think RBIs are going to be a little bit harder to come by this season in Cleveland. I don't see them as a very potent offense, and we'll we'll clearly have to see where Mercado is in a couple of weeks. But, um, you know, that's, that's, to me, the dynamic of the lineup that's a little bit unknown. Mercado, as we've mentioned and I mentioned here on this show, Many years ago, he was in the St. Louis Cardinals organization, and I remember being around the team and going in the clubhouse, doing interviews and, and asking about top prospects. Mercado never once was brought up. Uh, this was just a, a little skinny kid that they got internationally, and then all of a sudden has re- just really found himself last year with the Indians. So I have to, because of that, doubt the player because when virtually an entire organization decides that you're not even worth keeping, because let's be honest, they didn't really get anything even back for him in return. Um, I'm going to have to doubt Mercado this year. And so if I'm doubting Mercado, that's going to you know lower all of the other numbers in terms of runs driven in. Uh, but when I look at their lineup, Lindor, clearly an all-star. Santana, 20 to 80. Uh, Reyes has 30 home run potential for sure. Cesar Hernandez was a really nice pickup. But as you alluded to and, and every part of fantasy that you don't wanna quantify because you don't wanna like have a itchy trigger figure with some of these players thinking that they're going to get traded, but we're gonna to have to keep a very close eye on on where the Indians are in the standings this season. And I think that really applies to four or five guys in this lineup.
1: I think it is a really good point when it comes to Oscar Mercado, especially when he was within the Cardinals organization. You know, an organization that is typically so smart with the way that they handle prospects and the way that they develop their players as well. You know, there's a reason why we're talking about Dylan Carlson throughout the spring right now and why we are as excited about him as we are right now. Uh, So it's worth mentioning that I think that's a good point on Oscar Mercado. Last year, 15 home runs, 15 stolen bases. I think, Fifteen home runs is probably a little bit optimistic. I think he's probably in the in the ten to twelve range. But I do trust the speed. This is someone who has stolen you know over thirty bases uh, sure. in multiple levels throughout the minor leagues with Oscar Mercado. So I think he's someone that can provide potentially twenty five stolen bases. So if you're looking for someone who give you ten to twelve home runs, twenty five steals potentially, uh, by the dip right now because as a result of this wrist injury, has him day to day as of now throughout spring. Uh, he is falling down draft boards a little bit. He's someone who people were very excited about a couple of weeks ago, drafting in the 8th ninth round. You see, that those are one of the advantages of drafting early here, uh, Craig Mish. I know there's something that we love to talk about here on the show, uh, but Mercado is someone who is falling down draft boards, so if you do like him, you can get a nice discount on Oscar Mercado right now. Uh, getting back to Carlos Santana real quick, a player who's much, much better in points leagues. He was a top-five first baseman in points leagues last year and typically is much better in that format than Roto because of its plate discipline. He makes a ton of contact. He walks a lot as well. So you're not losing points with the strikeouts. I know a lot of points leagues, they penalize you for strikeouts, uh, but you know he makes a lot of contact, and he obviously uh, walks a lot as well. Anyone here at the back end of this lineup real quick, Craig, from Domingo Santana to Roberto Perez potentially as a catcher too, uh, and then they have Greg Allen, maybe someone who can give you a 10 10-15 10-15 steals and an AL only. Uh, anyone there in the back end of this lineup that interests
4: you this season? Yeah, not really. I mean, Domingo Santana was it was kind of a fallback option for them this offseason, and they ended up signing to him to a very minimal contract. He, uh, unfortunately, is a very poor defender, and Seattle basically decided uh, they were done playing bad defense. Seattle's defense was the worst in all of Major League Baseball last year, and metrically, Santana graded very low. So they got rid of him. They sacrificed some offense for some defense. I think the Indians are sacrificing uh, some defense for some offense there. And look, we've been talking about Greg Allen now, Frank, here for two or three years. I just don't think that he's any more than what we've seen. Uh, The Indians, I mean, believe it or not, three years ago, uh, you know, they had very high expectations for Bradley Zimmer. They thought Zimmer was going to kind of be in the same mold of Grady Sizemore with the two or three years that he had in Cleveland that were really successful. That did not work out. I think the uh, Indians' offense is a little bit of a, a mess, and I think their outfield is really a mess. So uh, I'm not buying into the bottom half of that line. Sure.
1: Interesting name there, Bradley Zimmer. Maybe keep an eye on him. Uh, he can get, get an opportunity to play if Greg Allen does not perform at the plate. All right, when we come back, we are going to dive into the pitching staff for the Cleveland Indians. Craig Mish once again is live from Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium. We'll do all that here on Fantasy Sports Today.
0: DailyRoto.com. sports today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford
1: Want to test your NCAA tournament bracket against our hosts like Gabe Renzi and Scott Farrell join our sports Grid bracket challenge entering is easy all you have to do is tweet at sportsgrid this week leading up to selection Sunday and tell us when our show in game live helps you win cold hard cash. That's it. When we see your info is all good, we'll send you a link to our bracket challenge once Selection Sunday is over. The prizes are pretty sweet, including free swag, a tour of Studio 34, or a one time on air guest spot on your favorite Sports Grid show. That is Fantasy Sports Today. We'll even answer your fantasy question for you. Don't miss your opportunity to be the first SportsGrid Bracket winner. For more details, follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid or on Instagram at TV. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. I am Frank Stamfel, and we are live on SportsGrid and live from Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium. That is Craig Misch. He's getting ready for the Marlins versus Yankees. And, Craig, you'll have the opportunity to see one of the Yankees' top pitching prospects today in Debbie Garcia. And, obviously, Marlins starting pitcher... Uh, Sandy Alcantara, who people do have some excitement about this upcoming season from a fantasy perspective, I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty jealous.
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, the only thing is that when you get these these games where the teams travel across the state, and also given the fact that the Yankees have, at at the very least, two key injuries to their offense, you're getting a very limited (laughs) travel roster, which is indeed the case today uh, in Jupiter. So uh, I did have a chance to speak to Mike Ford before the game so we'll hear from him tomorrow when we do our Yankees preview. Potentially somebody that is going to play a lot because of these injuries. Uh, Giovanni Ursula is here as well as Mike Talkman. But Frank, uh, if you're a Yankees fan today, you're coming uh, more or less to see the jerseys as opposed to the players. That's just that's the case today for sure.
1: Yeah, you're not going to see any of the big boppers, any of the big names here from the Yankees, but look, if you're a Yankee fan and you're out there, you do get a sneak peek at the future with Debbie Garcia on the mound, someone that they're excited about. They talked about him potentially winning the fifth starter uh, spot in the rotation. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think he still needs some seasoning at AAA, Uh, but we're here to talk about the Cleveland Indians. Enough of the Yankees. We'll save it for tomorrow here on Fantasy Sports Today. But we spoke about the lineup for the Cleveland Indians, and once considered the strength of the Cleveland Indians. It might still be, but it's going to do it with a few new names here in the rotation, and that includes Shane Bieber at the top, who was their ace last season uh, and has really stepped up, expected to be their starter on opening day as well. you got Carlos Carrasco, who is still dealing with elbow inflammation, making his way back from leukemia. It's been a long road back. Obviously was diagnosed with it last season uh, and did return in 2019 uh, in a relief role. We'll see how healthy he can be this upcoming season and whether or not he can bounce back. Aaron Savale, someone who I know Craig Mish is very excited about this upcoming season. Uh, and then rounding out the rotation, we have Zach Plesak and Adam Plutko as well. Uh, Craig, as I mentioned, once considered the strength of this team, their starting pitching staff, do you still think that is the case here in 2020?
4: Yeah, I do, and, and I still think that the Indian staff is is going to be very good. Uh, Bieber, Carrasco, Savalle, Plesak, one through four. I think that you put them up against the division, I think you put them up against a lot of teams in the American League, and by the way, with issues to Blake Snell and issues to Chris Sale and Severino and Verlander, I mean, the Indians have been more or less okay, and they've been healthy, and the one name, of course, that is not on this list, that that obviously should be on this list, is Mike Clevenger, who it looks like may be out a lot Uh, less than we thought. It looks like maybe he could make a mid-April or early May debut. He's already throwing again. And so let's put Clevenger in our minds here. So with Bieber, Clevenger, Carrasco, Savali, Plesak, I mean, that's starting one through five. I can make the case Plesak, Plutko, Savali could be a two or a three starter on some of the teams we've already reviewed, like Baltimore, Kansas City, or even the Boston Red Sox. So the pitching is definitely going to have to carry them. There's no question about that. Um, you know, the offense is probably going to struggle, and and they're going to have to get deep into these games, Frank. I don't think there's any question about that. But I do like their rotation, and I think it stacks up very well, both reality and fantasy. You mentioned Aaron Savali. I think that uh, Savali, while he's not going to get a strikeout per inning, is looks like the kind of guy that could be a workhorse. I don't think there's any restrictions on him. I see him with 170 innings, maybe 130, 140 strikeouts. Uh, close games maybe gets you 8 to 10 wins. I have him in a lot of leagues. I'm very much in on Savali. You're right.
1: Craig, remember when we did our closer preview and you somehow omitted Josh Hader at the top? You're obviously very busy at the time. Uh, this is my mulligan. This was my blunder here because you're right. I just All completely right. forgot to put Mike Clevenger here in the rotation. Where even you're absolutely right. I uh, forgot about Clev here as he's dealing with the uh, he's dealing with the injury, but should be back earlier than maybe yeah. was anticipated. You know, at the time of the injury, we were looking at maybe late April, early May. I mean, he's already throwing. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, it seems like, you know, he's throwing off the mound and we're seeing some, you know, aggressive, uh, you know, some aggressive throws from uh, Mike Clevenger here. And it looks like he might be ready to go earlier than anticipated. So it's worth talking about. You're right. I mean, he had a 16-start stretch last year, Craig, from July 3rd to September 24th where he had a 176 ERA. There's a reason why people had Mike Clevenger ranked inside the top five heading into fantasy baseball draft season before, obviously, all the injuries took place. But people were really expecting Clevenger to be that guy this upcoming season. Um, and you see here on the graphic here Shane Bieber, uh, the transformation that he has made from 2018 to 2019. I mean, a big topic of conversation, Craig, will be, can Bieber kind of keep up what he did in 2019, will he be able to um, maintain the gains that he made? A 455 ERA in 2018. However, in 2019, and I love the jersey on the right, the not Justin jersey, that's the player nickname jersey. So obviously not Justin Bieber, he's Shane Bieber. Uh, 3.28 ERA last season with 259 strikeouts. That was Shane Bieber. Uh, Craig, do you have any? Doubt that he can really kind of uh, pick up where he left off from last season because obviously he made huge strides from the 2018 2019 season. Again, that is Shane Bieber.
4: Well, I, as you know, Frank, I participate in some of what we would call, I guess, the expert leagues and uh, Labor, the League of Alternative Baseball Reality League that I participated in a little bit over a week ago. Uh, Bieber was the one who I paid up for. So he's my ace. I'm going into the season with him. Looks like he's been durable, has avoided any kind of injuries. Uh, at least at the start of his young career. So I'm definitely in on him as well. And so in a lot of leagues, I'm going to have some shares of this Indians rotation. I wouldn't hesitate to to take Clevenger too. And and again, um, the reality of baseball is a little bit different than the fantasy side of it. And when you think of it from Clevenger's perspective at this point, sometimes it is better to have those injuries in the early part of spring training, like in February, because it does give you the ability to still work with the Major League Baseball training staff because they're still in Arizona, like Cleveland is right now, and Clevenger is too. And if he's on a throwing program right now, let's consider it, and he's just kind of starting off again, then it's a spring training. And you know what, Frank? That's a month. April 11th is not that deep into the fantasy season. That's basically two or three starts that, that Clevenger would miss, would put him on target for 25 to maybe even 30 starts this season. I think you have to readjust your rankings with him and put him closer back to the top.
1: Yeah, I was going to mention, you know, where has the ADP been over the past week or so for uh, Mike Clevenger? And he's going off the board at, as SP10. You know, right behind guys like Luis Castillo, Steven Strasburg, around pick 40 overall. So, you know, is, is, that, is that a little bit too early for you in terms of, you know, going behind, just behind guys like Strasburg, Castillo, and head of names like Clayton Kershaw, Patrick Corbin, Giolito? Does that seem like the right spot for Clevenger to be going right now?
4: It's, it seems about right to me at this point. And again, you know, if, if he's not missing time, he's definitely a top eight guy for me. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that, that kind of sounds about right where, where I would have him.
1: All right, Craig, let's talk a little bit about uh, your guy Aaron Savale here and what you might like about him. Obviously, he's enjoying a really, really nice spring thus far. Uh, and for me, it's really that the Cleveland Indians just do a great job developing starting pitchers. They always have. You know, really, you look back at, back at the past decade, they, they've done a phenomenal job of developing starting pitchers. And some people are going to point to, well, he doesn't get enough swinging strikes. He doesn't get enough strikeouts. I mean, as, as he starts to figure things out a little bit at the major league level, I, I think that we can see that those strikeouts improve a little bit. This is somebody who has phenomenal numbers in his career in the minors as well, Craig. So, you know, tell us a little bit why you uh, have been targeting Savale as aggressively as you have throughout draft
4: season. Yeah, I remember when he when he came up last year. The And again, you, you know, sometimes you hear scouts and you hear different people go by different comps. And, and by comp, meaning that a scout or Somebody in baseball will give you an example of a player. And sometimes it's very lofty and unrealistic and sometimes it's spot on. And so uh, to throw a comparison of Zach Greinke on Aaron Savali, I thought was was pretty staggering. Now, again, this is maybe very early in Greinke's career. As you remember, he was uh, you know just pitching more to strikeouts. Now he's more of a pitch to contact type guy. He still gets uh, strikeouts, of course. But Greinke's focus is always to get very deep into the game. That appears to be what Savali's is also. Again, I don't project him to be a very high strikeout guy, but sometimes, Frank, these guys that don't throw 97, 98 miles an hour end up lasting longer than the guys that do. And Syndergaard is a great example of that. So uh, give me durability, especially in one of these NFBC formats that you're looking at 50 rounds and you can't make pickups. You're just like, give me the volume. Give me Rick Porcello. Give me Kyle Hendricks. Give me the guys that are going to give me innings. I think that's where Savali fits in and in labor he was a $3 player for me so i thought that that was a good price to play for uh, potentially a pitcher with 150 innings cuz that's what i'm trying to get always in fantasy not at the top but in the middle or back of my rotation as i want the volume
1: All right, before we hit the break here, the closer, projected closer for the Cleveland Indians, Brad Hand. I think the handcuff here is uh, James Karinchak, someone who has filthy strikeout stuff. I mean, someone who's averaged over 20 strikeouts per nine innings pitched in the minor leagues as well. Uh, Craig, Brad Hand, do you mind him as your closer one this year? I have him as a top 10 guy. I know he struggled a little bit last year, but for the most part, I don't mind Brad Hand as my first closer.
4: No, not at all, and, and, and sometimes he can go uh, an inning and a third, an inning and two-thirds. Uh, he's without a doubt in that category. doesn't seem like there's any regression there as well. Indians don't have fantastic options. Uh, Grinchak obviously has the stuff to do it, but having never been in the ninth inning before, I think Hand's going to be given every opportunity to continue opposing the Indians. Alright, that's it for hour
1: one here on Fantasy Sports Today. We are flying here. Fantasy baseball preview of the Cleveland Indians. When we come back, we'll recap some of the top stories. I'll get Craig's thoughts on Michael Conforto as well. We'll do all that here, Fantasy Sports Today on the Sports Grid TV Network.
0: DailyRodo.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice.